0: Thank you for tuning in to the Wham! Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hello, everyone.
1: This is Rosemary Coates in Silicon Valley. I'm your host for this edition of Women in Manufacturing. I'm the executive director of the Reshoring Institute, where we help companies bring back or expand their manufacturing in America. I also run a global supply chain consulting firm called Blue Silk Consulting where we help clients with global supply chain projects and where I also do a lot of expert witness work. On these podcasts, we interview accomplished women in business and ask them to share their experiences with us. We're looking for insights that we can all learn from. Today, I'm delighted to welcome my guest, Bridget Jager. The chief operating officer at CH Technologies, a company that provides test equipment for inhalation research. So interesting. I'm sure she'll tell us about the technology, but very, very interesting. And she has an important and remarkable story to tell us about her company and how CH Technologies is
0: helping fight COVID. So, welcome, Bridget. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you, Rosemary, and thank you for having me.
1: Yes, yes. So I'm excited to learn more about your company today. So CH is such an interesting company. Can you tell us a little bit about your company
0: and your own background? Sure, I'd be happy to. So I'd like to just start by giving you an introduction to me. My company is a family-owned business. Um, I've actually this year become the chief executive officer. So I have uh, taken on the role and succeeded, I guess you could say, my father. So I just kind of wanted to give you a little bit of history because I think being a family business, it is something unusual, especially kind of in this medical uh, public health market. I haven't met too many other companies that are family businesses. So I was born and raised in northern New Jersey. I'm fortunate to be a child of a blended family. I have four wonderful parents all contributing wholly and wholeheartedly to to, uh, my core values. And uh, my mother was inspirational. She was a time, at a time, uh, a single mother herself, I am also, so I can understand the, the challenges that you go through. She gave me a lot of inspiration, teaching me to be outspoken and speak up for myself, which I think is really important. And I look up to her greatly as a woman and as a mother. My father, a toxicologist, uh, was a professor at Harvard and NYU. Uh, he taught me core values of hard work and motivation that in today's society are really lacking and I think are really important. My stepfather taught me uh, sports and teamwork, and my stepmother introduced me to skiing. So they all really gave me the core foundation, that I think, brings me to the point that I am today. I went to an elementary, elementary school for a number of years, went on to Catholic high school and then to public school. I uh, went on to college at uh, Catholic University, where I became educated and got a Bachelor of Science degree in elementary education. Throughout my career in, high, in college, I did um, work for my father, and I had some experiences in the, in the four years in college to learn about his business and kind of develop my own understanding of business. So I didn't really have an interest in, in college to go into business and go into this company, but I came out of college with an elementary you know, education degree. And at that time in the early 2000s, there was really a, a great influx of teachers uh, special needs degrees and master's degrees. So there were many people ahead of me. Um, Are you teaching special needs kids? Is that your specialty area? I was not. I got a Bachelor of Science in elementary education, which with a focus in mathematics and history. So yeah. ironically enough, I don't know why they label that Bachelor of Science, but that's the degree I earned and, and I'm proud of okay. it. To kind of just end my college career, I was blessed with meeting a, an amazing master teacher. woman who had been teaching for about 25 years. And she really taught me the concept of thinking out of the box. Classrooms are so very kind of regimented, but yet children in today's society really have a lot of adverse learning needs and challenges that they face, adversities and things like that. So she really taught me the out of the box thinking, but she really also taught me the idea and concept of creating an environment that is um, safe and comfortable. And enjoyable, inspirational, and motivational. So, I think I carried that from her into my future career, which is the business I'm now running. Um, So, now to kind of introduce you a little bit to my company, we were founded by my father in 1994. Uh, He's a doctor of toxicology and was a professor at the time at NYU, focusing mainly on on, uh, the academics and teaching uh, his students. That was really uh, one of his main roles and, and something he really enjoyed. Um, throughout that time, he had this business and he, he began networking and really kind of building the core foundations that my company really needed to develop to where we are today. Um did he developed the technology that you use today? He did, he patented some of the equipment and he really just at that time was developing these relationships to um, network with his colleagues in the community, the scientific community, becoming familiar with what products were out there on the market. And he had a desire to take his knowledge in toxicology and public health and really implement products in, in, a, in a unique way, I guess you could say, we really do spend a lot of time and effort. We have a huge product range in environmental uh, monitoring and uh, scientific equipment that's really high-precision equipment, monitoring particles, generating particles, clientele is focused in the pharmaceutical industry, aerobiology, biodefense.
1: Fairly inhalation technology. So what aerosolized particles that you're testing, or is it other, other kind of tests as well?
0: So it's aerosolizing anything from viruses to pollen, uh, really environmental health risks in our environment, you know, whether it be indoor, in your home, in the classroom, in the office, um, or out there in the world in manufacturing industrial areas where we really need to analyze and understand. What type of chemicals are being off-gassed into the environment, and how they're having an impact on our public health and our society in general as a whole? Oh, okay.
1: Are there are there specific
0: industries that you focus on? We do. We spend a lot of time focusing on. Um, really, aerobiology was a big uh, initially. You know, I need to go back to nine eleven. But after after nine eleven, there was a lot of need for really understanding viruses. Uh, there was a fear for biological attacks and things like that. So, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't to deal with something like today, which is a pandemic, but it was to really learn and understand viruses, how they spread and how we can develop, if not cures, but medicines to help uh, deal with the results of those viruses. All right, so understanding how they are
1: transmitted over in the air to be able to address how to combat those viruses, right? Right. Do the front-end testing part of it. Right. Okay. A lot of what
0: we've focused on actually in the past two years with the pandemic has been um, these aerosol devices. We've seen a huge increase in that market. I mean, the world was doing this research before, but not to the degree as we are today, uh, which is you know, something... Nice to see, you know, we saw a huge amount of money and funding put into this type of research for yes. trying to not avoid this pandemic, but help us out of it and, and help doctors and nurses and, you know, the, the public health community, which is really actually the ones taking the biggest point here. Right. You know, people are dying, but every day people are dying. The numbers that we're dealing with to some degree, this is what's the main concern.
1: So let's go back for a minute to um, your business again, and and succeeding your father after he ran the business for a long time. So did you go through a formal succession planning?
0: Nothing with father? my father is formal. <laughs> I hate to say that he's a wonderful human being, a great guy, but COVID was really what did it. Um, his I know this is going to sound horrible. His motto is he's got the Grim Reaper retirement plan. So. He'll probably I, never retire, and I love him for everything that he does. He really continues day after day to really try and make a big impact in public health and really make people question what we're doing and how we're doing it, how we're looking at you know, particles and uh, how we're evaluating face masks, for instance. Um, so that's been one of his big efforts this past year, but succession was really critical for him because if something happened to him, you know, my company, which is now about grown from a sole individual to about 15 part and full-time employees, who's really, you know, allowing us the capability to continue. He wasn't able to do so for us. Ah, gotcha. Is he still part of the business? Very, much, still so. For, yeah. Very okay. much so. Yeah. Very much so. As I said, his main focus actually is spending a lot of his time getting involved in standardized organizations and committees that are looking at face masks and efficiency ratings, to try and improve the improve the products, but get the products on the market. You know, there was a time where we couldn't get enough N95s for our doctors and nurses, and definitely not enough for the, for the society as a whole. So one of the products that we brought to the market back in March of 2020 and tried to introduce was a product that could be used for testing face masks, for particle efficiency, uh, testing, uh, meeting those standards, and allowing those companies to manufacture those masks to actually get that N95 certification or whatever certification they have to comply with to put their products on on shelves. Oh, so interesting because
1: most of the people that we talk to on these podcasts are actually on the other end; they're producing some product. Or, you know, they run a machine shop or something like that. This is more, it's kind of the bridge between research, I guess, and practical, pragmatic testing approaches so that the products are developed differently and, and then eventually manufactured. But it's really interesting that you're in that, that sort of bridge space from the technology to the, to the actual production or products that are available.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really bringing the products to the market and trying to make products that are actually healthier for us, I think. Right. But, you're, but you make the test equipment for. Right. The this is not, we're not, making the, we're not making the products. We're making the products that mm-hmm. companies who manufacture these products, whether they be a drug or a filter, for instance, you know, a big, big topic in today's society and around the world is the air we breathe. It's really dirty. It's really dirty, and we need well, to. Have-
1: you know, I live in Northern California, and we're just dealing with all this smoke from the fires, mm-hmm. and it's just awful. Not only can you smell it, but you can see it, and you know the it's in the air, and it's just scary to even be outside during the summertime for that
0: reason. It's just really scary. I've actually so- seen the sun yeah. in the past few weeks, you know, and it's directly caused by the fires in California, and you know this is a climatic this is a climatic change and it's really something that whether we're causing it, mother nature is, is letting it happen and we're just a part of it for the ride. But yeah. what's important from my perspective, and, and like you said, it is very interesting. I'm, I'm more of the business side of this company. I helped him develop the business in terms of, you know, the inventory management system and the customer service and, um, you know, getting the packages out the door. He's the expert. And my engineers are, are also, um, but these are really critical things in these times to have products to brought to the market that are really protecting us. You know, the filter that you put in your air conditioner, it's a HEPA filter, it's a MER filter. It's tested using our equipment to look at the pressure drop and make sure that, you know, the dust and the pollen and the large particles and even the small particles are being removed. Very interesting. So I hear that you
1: also deal with some other kind of industries that are pretty interesting, like cannabis. So the selling to the cannabis market to understand uh, the air filtration there.
0: So, yeah, in the past couple of years, um, the cannabis market has obviously become very hot in California. Canada has gone completely legal. And we do make products that um, can test different vapor type products, as well as tobacco or marijuana cigarettes. And about two years ago, before COVID hit, we were really just introducing a number of those products on the market. It's so early in the stages and the funding for this type of research to really look at the chemicals and the, the metals and the different products that are in these, these vape products that we inhale. It, it's really just a very, very, in its infancy, I could say. Mm-hmm. So we had actually worked on a really amazing marketing plan that we were going to be putting into a, a magazine called Cannabis Science and Technology, and then COVID hit, and uh, so you know our efforts—it was really uh, heartfelt and kind of disappointing because we had put all this effort into marketing these products that we really believe can help improve the products that are on the market. I mean, smoke in your lungs is going to—it's going to be harmful, <laughs> no matter what kind of smoke it is, vapor or or a gap, it doesn't matter. You know, anything that's toxic is going to affect your lungs, and it's going to have a respiratory impact. So, for us, that was really disappointing. We still have those products, and we're still happy to bring them to the market. That industry is still continuing to sell, but the yeah. regulations that they need to implement may be uh, lagging behind. As a result, I hate to say of COVID, they may be. I mean, I know my business and product line is lagging behind.
1: So that's interesting. You said you have uh, about fifteen employees. So they're mostly scientists or
0: engineers. So I work very closely with my salespeople. Um, I have very technical salespeople. Um, I have about five technical salespeople that I work with. All of them are very uh, well faceted and uh, they wear many hats. Uh, so they can sell my equipment and they can build my equipment. Are they Are they basically engineers then? Their mostly. background. Yeah, most of yeah. them are chemical engineers, um, environmental engineers, uh, mechanical engineers. So they work with my, you know, the machine shops that we work with to make these products. And they sell them and they make them. So they, they really do. They wear these hats. Okay. Uh, and the rest of the employees that I work with are support staff, administrative staff and things like that. Along with Rudy, who, again, is really still uh, taking a key role within the
1: company. In your company, did you have a mass mandate during COVID, or
0: were you all working from home, or how did that work? Um, so ironically, because I'm in this business, I was really aware of what was going on in China back in January, and uh, I have a colleague whose wife is Chinese, so I was trying to continuously, up until the day we were quarantined, get the scoop, and uh, I knew it was coming, so I had pretty much prepared my company and got everybody virtual. Uh, everybody was working from home the day of quarantine, you know, and ready to do so. I was fu- personally fully prepared with the fridge stocked of food. And I told everybody I knew, you know, make sure you're prepared because it is coming. My father was actually on a cruise ship at the time and he was just returning from South America. And I was really concerned that he would actually be quarantined on a ship. My stepmother did get sick. So we yeah. we we were we were very concerned about that, but he was fortunate to... to get off the ship and get a flight home just before, literally three days before COVID, the quarantine, I should say. Right, right. So, yeah,
1: um, you would be both. I was, um, because I've done, I have a lot of experience in China in and yeah. manufacturing in China. And I was hearing in January the same thing. And I kept trying to raise the flag and tell everybody, you know, look out, look out, it's coming. And we're going to have all these supply chain disruptions. And, and you know, nobody kind of really, got enthusiastic about it. And so, you know, fast
0: forward two months and I can say, you know, I told you so, right? No, yeah, right. I had a couple of millennials who said, ah, oh, who cares? I'm 25. I'm young. I'm gonna be fine. Yeah. Two months later they were they were wearing their masks and they were they were staying home. So You know, it's a start.
1: You've got scientists and engineers, you know, they understand that, you know, the progression of a pandemic like this and how serious it is. So a little easier time. We've talked to some people who um, are in actual manufacturing sites where they have to go to work. Right, because you can't work from home. You have to be in the factory, and they had a heck of a time getting people to wear masks and to comply with the sanitary requirements to you know clean the equipment and all of that. Um, when I think when you have scientists, it's a little easier.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say that for us was not a problem. Um, I had talked to my engineers and uh, my father, other scientists, virologists, epidemiologists, asking them, you know, what's the value of a face mask? Obviously, something in front of your face. If you're coughing and hacking up large particles, it's going to help. Nobody sure. says it's going to be 100 percent, but uh, definitely the community of people that I work with very quickly put the masks on. We were working as a skeleton crew because we had to. I mean, we had very early on a lot of requests. Um, I was also very fortunate. A lot of the a lot of the industries that we sell to uh, were also first responders. So they had to they had to go to work. They were manufacturing face masks and filter media and things that were really critical, everything's critical, right? Nobody could say that they're not, but these were first response critical. And um, a lot of the laboratories we were selling to were closing. And my colleagues and I were seeing a lot of inquiries and requests for bacterial efficiency systems. So I was we were really fortunate because my colleagues, the engineers that I work with along with my father, developed a whole new system that really uh, addressed a need for a bacterial filtration efficiency system that does something different than particle filtration efficiency. Particle filtration efficiency shows you the number on your mask. You know, it's 95% efficient on awesome. particles that go through yeah, your mask. It is. The N95 right. means
1: 95% efficient.
0: Right, you know, there's different sized particles. Everybody, uh, it's, it's it's an interesting topic in the market, uh, nanotechnology, right? So. Viruses are in the nano range, so that's really hard to filter out, you know. And uh, the pandemic has definitely forced filter manufacturers to evaluate their filter media and try and figure out ways to improve. Uh, but my team actually developed this bacterial filtration efficiency system that we then sold around the world. Uh, we didn't sell hundreds of them, but you know, they it became a new product that really was very popular for getting these products to the market. So, so your research and
1: your so your research and your test equipment is assisting in in determining what kind of products are made on the other end. So how, what the filtration rate should be, what the uh, technical requirements are and so forth. So okay.
0: I mean I okay. I, I I keep wanting to say that it, it will help improve the standards. I feel as though the equipment that we sell is helping to for scientists, researchers, and manufacturers to really look at the media that we use and try and make it better, you know, for these smaller size particles.
1: During the pandemic, we were wearing all kinds of masks, you know, during the first part of it, cloth masks and bandanas and stuff. And none of that really filters out anything. You need a a better mask to, to make that filtration effective.
0: I I think the real problem, though, was what do you do in a time of need, you know, and the need was the nurses and the doctors were a priority. But, you know, you look at you still have to wear something. And it's also it's a mentality in my mind. It it goes to the mentality because I know when I wear a mask automatically, I am much more cautious now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that was it was sad that that happened, that we, we didn't have enough to supply everyone, but mm-hmm. they still said we had to wear them because in general, it does put you into a mindset that makes you more attentive and more aware of your surroundings and trying to be more cautious.
1: So let's change topics a little bit and tell me about your experience being a woman in a, in a scientific field like this. Has there been any difficulties or Do you find yourself accepted
0: right away or what's it like? Yeah, I thought about this question again. I want to say that my mother teaching me to speak up for myself has always really been a a defining line for me. And I I don't really have barriers um, with people. Uh, I, I think I'm pretty outgoing and I easily spark up a conversation. I definitely could say I had to build up a level of respect from the community. I'm, my father's daughter, you know, helping him run a family business. So, you know, I definitely always had that, maybe a little bit of that insecurity, but the community was always kind of welcoming. I could definitely say that, you know, I've seen a lot more women in the industry in the past 15 years, since I started, I would sit at a table and I would be one woman with many men. And now I can proudly say that there's more women to sit at the table with me. So it's really very nice. And your sister is also part of the company. Is that right? That's right. So, my sister and I both are now the president and vice president of the company. She's also been working with the company since about 2008. I've been with the company since 2004. So, she deals with more of the administrative. I deal with, I'm not a scientist, but I deal with a lot of the technical sales so I can direct people to the right people to talk to for the technical information they need. I understand a lot of the science on a basic level. Um, When you get down to the nitty gritty, it becomes a little more complex, but um, that's what my engineers are there for.
1: So do you and your sister plan um, strategies
0: and where you're going to take the company next? Um, We have not yet. I mean, really COVID in terms of, I didn't know what my father was actually going to do with this business. You know, was he going to give it to all of his employees? He's a very giving person. Um, You know, so I, I just didn't know what he would do. Uh, Would he sell it? I never thought he would, but I'm not the biggest planner, but I can tell you my sister and I would really like to continue this business. I definitely have the backbone to help facilitate that. And she has the administrative background uh, to help us as well. I have a great staff. It is a family business, so I have a lot of family that works with me. My sister's sister-in-law works with me. She's my CFO. Um, My ex-father-in-law works with me. And I have some employees that I've hired their family members. So from my perspective, family is a really important part of my life and has been a part of my business all my life. So um, we find great people and um, we have a great retention. Uh, We really have never fired anybody. Everybody that we hire, we keep and they do a great job for us. My father's mentality has always been, don't identify a person for the task that you want. Identify the person that you want to do the task that you need done. So he really believed in people. He believed in me. And I think having that that belief in a person is is motivation in itself. And uh, anybody can put their mind to anything. And he allows me and everybody I work with to really do that. So really a great opportunity. Uh, terrific. So um,
1: any any other closing thoughts that you, that we haven't covered or anything else you want to tell us about your business
0: or the future of it? The only thing is that, you know, we really put a lot of effort into trying to help during this pandemic. Uh, we The one last thing I kind of wanted to say was, you know, I was trying to think, how do we really how do we really deal with manufacturing? And I, I kind of touched on it. But one of the things that we did was we brought this piece of equipment over for face mask testing it's still not certified and uh, we've actually uh, gone ahead and uh, delivered it to one of the largest uh, testing labs in the country to help us certify that product, to bring it to the market so that it, it does compete with the only other device that's currently used in the market. And that's the sad part. So I feel like we've put a lot of effort to trying to help in this pandemic And uh, I'm proud to see this product being evaluated by this testing lab and really hoping that it will be accepted and allowed to be used so that these face mask companies can really look at other methods, which I think is also really important. Competition is important in manufacturing, and it's actually what helps products become better. So we are at a time where we're trying to improve something. It's very hard to do that laterally at the same time and see the impact right away. So, um, you know, I think that uh, some of the efforts that we've, we've initiated probably won't have that large of an impact right away, and I've, I've specifically seen it, but I think the efforts that we put forward will, and I really hope so. So other than that, um, I appreciate you having me on today, and hopefully I've given you some information that's useful. <laughs> it was so interesting. I think this this whole idea of
1: our environment and how we address it um, and keep humans safe is it's just so important. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Can you give us um, your contact information and the website for your company?
0: Sure. My email is my last name. So it's Jager, J-A-E-G-E-R-V for Bridget, C H T E C H U S A dot com. So that's Jager B at chtechusa.com and my website is www.chtech.com i think i just had a brain fart i think it's chtechusa.com my apologies okay. okay i think you can find it when you search on
1: it too i i did that look for your website so you can listen to more podcasts on women in manufacturing at the website mfg.com. And you can reach me, Rosemary Coates, at rcoates, R-C-O-A-T-E-S, at reshoringinstitute.org. And visit our website at www.reshoringinstitute.org, where we publish all of our research on manufacturing in America. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.